Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And for today, this is part of our my Pride Month experience video uh, podcast. And I have a tr- treat for you today with a lovely gentleman whose artwork I have admired for quite a while. But before I get into that, I need to get into the disclaimer and remind everyone that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes. It does not constitute a session with the licensed mental health worker. I do recommend you seek out a mental health worker in your area to work on your unique issues. Now, that's out of the way. So today I have with us a gentleman whose artwork I happen to come across off of one of the networks. I may have been the early days of Facebook or it might have been one of the predecessors. You know, I don't remember. I'm just that old. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm just going to go and let them give us the bio here. I'd like to introduce you to Sean Z. Maker. Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Sean Z. Maker. Um, I've been creating since uh, as long as I can hold a pencil in my hand, according to my uncles. Um, and I do visual arts uh, that focuses on uh, storytelling through art and imagery. Uh, lately, uh, with an emphasis on uh, the BIPOC experience, as well as uh, expanding the LGBT uh, experience as well in that narrative uh, under the uh, genres of fantasy, science fantasy, uh, supernatural, and mm-hmm. uh, from all ages to mature things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, comic I started of yours I was following, which was a web comic, uh, I believe at that time, was also 18 plus. Yes. So uh, just for those that are interested, yeah. uh, that was focusing on a adult male gay relationship at the core of it, as well as everything that else that went around it. Right. Yeah, it was. Um, and I'll be extend, expanding upon that in the uh, latest incarnation. It'll be called Colors of Men. Uh, before mm-hmm. it was under my old company imprint, Ray to Z Studios. Mm-hmm. Now I operate under Z Maker Studios, and uh, because I'm encompassing other projects as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's definitely still one that's near and dear to my heart. I still have a large fan base for it, uh, uh, with the fan page that keeps growing, even though I haven't updated the, the work in uh, at least a couple of years. People are still clamoring and asking for more. So I was like, okay, well, let me dust everything off and, and re. Uh, give this a bit of a facelift and mm-hmm. focus on the things that I really want to focus on because uh, I would say the difference between the last incarnation and the current incarnation is um, the last incarnation I really focused on things that I thought other people would like mm-hmm. and in this one I'm really focusing on things that are important to me that I want to get across in the storytelling mm-hmm. so uh, especially where uh, people of color are concerned because we're often left out of those genre spaces uh, or we're tokenized if we do appear. <laughs> right, especially, yeah, it's very much, especially with the uh, fantasy and uh, sci-fi, especially when it comes to the comic books. Right, right, right. yeah. And I just wanted to be another voice that uh, expounded on that. Mm-hmm. So you said that uh, you've been holding a pencil since uh, as young as you could have. So tell us a bit more about how you got from starting to hold that pencil as a little kid to where you are now as a, uh, 
owner of your own business and studio and being a proud LGBT BIPOC man? Um, well, I, I uh, so I, my family thankfully encouraged my creativity. Um, uh, my mother, her, her immediate family, um, there was never a person that said I shouldn't do this or I can't do this. Mm -hmm. um, they always nurtured and put me in spaces and environments. I went to a performing arts school, uh, mm -hmm. junior high and high school. So my art got nurtured in that space. Um, mm -hmm. Moving on to college, I went to the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. Um, ironically enough, I didn't focus on illustration, which has always been my, my love, cartooning and illustration. I, I focused on graphic design uh, because at the time I thought, well, I don't want to be a starving artist because I always had this fear in the back of my head, especially as a black man, like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be mm -hmm. poor <laughs> as mm -hmm. an artist. Mm -hmm. um, little did I know, you know, I had to go through a series of lessons and, and experiences. So once I graduated, um, I did uh, graphic design for various advertising agencies, eventually starting my own company. So I did more freelance work uh, prior to me leaving. But I wanted to move out to California to sort of see what that would be like for me. And I was terrified to do it, but it took me getting really sick uh, in Chicago, overworking myself for my mother had to come up and take care of me. I got bronchitis that almost turned into pneumonia. And she's like, son, you're not going to know if you don't try. And I was 24 going on 25. And after my 25th birthday, four months, several months later, I moved out to Southern California. So, mm -hmm. and then it's just been this ongoing journey of, and I've been here for 21 years. So it's been an ongoing journey of industry industry, different aspects of industry, uh, doing all of that to finally getting back into my illustration cartoon mm -hmm. and comics. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just been a, it's been a graduation from there. So now I'm fully fledged, full-time, you know, fear be damned. I'm going to do what I love. And here, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Very much so. Yeah. So in a way you've touched on one of those classic issues for those of us who have an interest in uh, sci-fi fantasy the geeks the blurs and so forth we often hear that that is quote unquote not black or that we're being oreos or even the idea of uh exploring art is something that often gets a negative view which always and we don't want to say that that everyone does that but it's like it's a very consistency yeah it is that the idea that these things these interests and so forth are somehow less or not yes. adding to the community. Yes. And the, the narrative usually surrounding that is, is twofold. Uh, artists, when I was actually looking into doing freelance work for some of the uh, publishing companies, I'll use uh, Image Studios being one because they're, mm -hmm. they're out here. Um, what I, the feedback that I would get from other people was, oh, you need to, you have a really great style, but you need to draw more like this white artist or this white mm -hmm. artist or this artist and it was never celebrating my own unique style like other artists have their mm -hmm. own unique style mm -hmm. um, so that was an obstacle um and then the other was um you know speaking to what you just spoke about especially when i was doing more industry related things um one of my projects that i'm thankful that i didn't uh sign the rights away for uh one of the things that they had said to me and this was before uh, The Princess and the Frog came out. Mm -hmm. I was working with a well-known studio to try to get one of my projects greenlit. The creative team, the production team, they were all on board. 
it was the business people that came back to me and said, they said two things. And uh, the first one was, well, our, our studies find that urban markets, meaning black, don't typically, mm-hmm. aren't typically into fantasy and science fiction. They want the more, you know, the hard life. The, and I'm thinking, looking at myself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm Mm -hmm. into it so i'm not the only one that's into it so that was the first obstacle and the second obstacle was because she was you know clearly brown Mm -hmm. and asking me if i could make her lighter Mm. so she would be more appealing to other audiences Mm -hmm. so it was always me needing to adjust how she appeared in the world Mm -hmm. to make her digestible to people that weren't of color Right. Yeah. Which kind of just as we're recording this in March, the Batman movie just came out and there was the recent talk about what happened for Zoe Kravitz, who wanted to play Batgirl, uh, not Batgirl, Catwoman in um, one of the Christopher Nolans. And their response to her was she was too urban. Right. For a a, code. That's that's the language that they use. Yeah. And, And that standpoint, oh, can that she couldn't walk around with a posh and elite, which is kind of how they had right. Anne Hage, and no fault to Anne Hage, she was actually very good in that. Right, right, right. But that standpoint of that code of what that it's urban and what does urban represent does not include the idea that a fantasy, right. whether it is science fiction, fantasy, in whatever aspect you want, and not just going high fantasy, or even. Right. Um, any of the other genres that are connected under this, like spy, um, aren't ones that we would watch. It's all that right. we're going to be wanting to say, watch Empire or Claws. Right. Yeah, or, there's definitely an audience for that, right. but not all of us. Yes, and it isn't lost on me that the most celebrated stories where we show up in are usually an enslavement narrative. Mm-hmm. Historically, it's always been an enslavement narrative that I'm just it has its place, but I'm, I'm like, that's, that's not how our history began, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> nor yes. is it all that, you know, we're about or are into. So. Yes, yes. We didn't just sort of spring out of our history starting there. There's a history long right. before that. Which is why I was glad to see Black Panther have the success that it did, mm-hmm. because it really spoke to a lot of what I was up against when I was uh, working directly in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, people telling me that um, an all-black cast or a black lead or those things won't sell. I heard that mm-hmm. for years. Those things don't work until they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that's what sort of gave me the confidence to really, um, you know, turn the magnifying glass on myself and really look at the landscape of, okay, what is it that I want to do? How do mm-hmm. I want to do it? And what's important for me in, in, the, in my journey of doing these things? So mm-hmm. I just wanted to be abundantly clear that, you know, the BIPOC and the LGBT experience, that intersectionality, because that's what I grew up with. Everything that I create now is <clears throat> from a place of what I missed seeing mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And I just want to normalize it. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, there is room, there's enough pie for all of us. <laughs> and, you know, people of color, black people, we're not a monolith and there is a place for all of us. and what is my work very much so whether it's and whether it is uh dealing with black it's dealing with latin it's dealing with asian there is definitely an overlap of these things for us right so 
in that regards, as you said a little earlier, that your first project or the project that I, I started following on was one that you were creating for others. How did that project come into existence? Um, I wound up getting connected with the Tama Finland Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember. Uh, I want to say it was a social gathering of some sort. And even someone that I knew in the industry was connected to someone in the Tama Finland house out mm-hmm. here. I got invited to <clears throat> a, uh, a social gathering. I found out they did a, an erotic art fair every mm-hmm. year. And I attended that. And I saw mm-hmm. all these artists, you know, doing all of these things. Um, um, I actually met Velasco at one of the events, which that was inspiring. And they were all like, well, you're an artist. You can do this. Why not? And I, and I mm-hmm. had an interest. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I have to say that part of the catalyst was that was having lived in Chicago, where I feel like I got my, I got clarity and comfort in my, mm-hmm. in my gay identity. Um, I, it was nice to, uh, there's an organization called Onyx that started out there. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, but I'm familiar with Onyx. <laughs> and so they um, made a point to start this organization to, to, to create a safe space for people of color who enjoyed, um, you know, the leather community or mm-hmm. wanted to explore it. Mm-hmm. And they made a point to make their presence known and be felt in IML and it, basically any event. That was, and I thought that was such a wonderful thing for someone who was a young gay coming out mm-hmm. and to have that space to see someone that looked like I did in some, into something that I was basically told, you're, you're brown, you're black, you're not supposed to be into any of these things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, fast forward back to California, that popped into my mind when I said, I said, oh, I want to do a story about this, but I also want to incorporate other things. I didn't want it to just be all erotica. I was like, I want a story. I can mm-hmm. do both. Why not have both? Why not let mm-hmm. it be entertaining and titillating? It can do all mm-hmm. of those things. And I, I spent more time listening to what other people told me I should be doing mm-hmm. instead of listening to myself fully about embrace. Cause you know, don't do full color, do black and white. Don't do, you know, and eventually I did do myth full and color. color which Mm -hmm. I was happy to do. And the story was starting to get more and more into what things that I wanted to explore and not about what other people were telling me would sell. Cause that's Mm -hmm. what I, that was the the initial motivation was, well, this will sell. People will like this, have more Mm -hmm. of this, have more of this. Um, And now, you know, I feel like colors of myth is the ultimate evolution of everything that I've wanted to do being older, wiser um, and just, not caring, <laughs> I guess what other people may or may not think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just the willingness for those things, because I, I, I didn't just want it to be about just gay. I like, I literally wanted it to be the breadth of the spectrum of, mm-hmm. of an experience. And that's why I re- redubbed it and added the colors of, because colors of being the spectrum of, you know, how we show up. Mm-hmm. I wanted that to be a part of that conversation in this fantasy set. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very much. I hope, so. that, I hope that answered the question. <laughs> it does, and starts getting into why you started created this particular piece of work, as well as you just indicated too how essentially the business office was also influencing what you were yeah. started with with this by saying that oh we need this we need that yeah as opposed to what is about you what do you want to right. see which yeah. fundamentally any 
person who creates material and puts it out there isn't just purely for what is the right. good for the cash bottom line. It's right. about what we want to put out there. Right. I would say the same thing with this podcast. I mean, it would have been very easy for me just to stick to either geek material or or mental health material, but it's like, no, you it also represents, yeah, it represents a part of who I am, where it's like, I'm a therapist. Yes, I'm also a geek and I'm also a black LGBT man. So it's like, I got a number of things here. They all work together and right. inter interconnect. So yeah, you've got to create that aspect in a way for us, but ultimately more for ourselves. Yes, yeah. And I wanted it to be fun. I think that was the thing that I was getting away from that I didn't realize I was so fixated and focused on selling and this show and that show and mm -hmm. um, oh how much am I making am I meeting my my quota that it started to take the fun that well it took the fun out of it mm -hmm. and that's why I had to reevaluate why am I doing this what is my intention where is the joy and making sure that shows up and I'm hoping especially with the stuff that I'm coming up with now um, you know, once people see that, again, it'll just be apparent in the, in the work. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you create it, people will come. And I've always believed that. And now mm -hmm. I have the, the platform and the space to do it. I'm just exploring it now. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and because uh, we also want to don't want to say that you don't want to be concerned about paying the bills and so forth because oh, ultimately, well, yeah. you got to yeah. do that <laughs> yeah we still got to pay that that's still required in all of this but yes. trying to make sure that we are still being fulfilled is yes. is also yes. much more important because yeah. we burn out of this and it's a, ba it's a balance <laughs> yeah. it's a ba and that burnout is a big issue yeah. after these last several years that we're dealing with what with people are dealing with I'm then curious, how do you feel that your work has also either been influenced or the events of the last several years have sort of affected you and what you're putting, going to put into your work with this next round? Um, honestly, um, I'm literally, I'm creating from a space of what's, what's missing, what I don't see. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I spent a lot of my um, early years, early twenties complaining about what I didn't see mm -hmm. without realizing I'm creative. I can create this, <laughs> this stuff. And so I'm, as I'm, and I think with pandemic happening, I, I think that just really sort of grounded me in um, focusing on what is the most important thing um, for me moving forward. Um, you know, I don't know what my legacy is going to be, you know, when I'm not here anymore, but I do know while I'm still here, these are the things that I'm committed to creating while I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, imagery that celebrates us mm -hmm. uh, beyond the boxes that often people try to put us in. Mm -hmm. um, sharing the breadth of the, the experience of our experiences, male, female, uh, mm -hmm. uh, gender nonconforming, gender, you know, wh wh however we show up in those spaces, I just want to mm -hmm. celebrate um, all the aspects of that because I think there's beauty in all of it. And um, with so much craziness going on in the world right now it was just important for me to create a piece of something that would give anyone coming in who's a fan of these genres and spaces something mm -hmm. that they can sort of relax and exhale with because mm -hmm. it's, that's what it's doing for me it's been very really cathartic for me just to create mm -hmm. so i'm hoping other people will get to uh, you know enjoy you know the, the stuff that i'll be putting out soon mm -hmm. I want to touch back on something you said earlier is the fact that your mom 
was so supporting to this aspect of you oh, creating yeah. and such. Um, and I would say my mother's also one of the ones who inspired my interest in sci-fi and fantasy as well. So that brings up an interesting dynamic, especially as gay men. Right. How do we sit with the aspect of that that support came much more from our mothers and the women in our lives than from the men in our lives? Say that, say that last part again? How that support came much more from the women in our lives as oh, opposed right. to the men right. in our lives. Um, you know... <clears throat> I think in a lot of ways it's easier it's easier for women because because there are no men black men specifically we get bogged down in sort of what's expected of us mm-hmm. from forces around us whether intended or not um we're already bombarded with so many things anyway and the older mm-hmm. we get the more we unlock <laughs> the mm-hmm. awareness and realization of what those things are and how they truly impact us you know i don't know how old you were but one of the things that's that stands in my mind is the first time my mother told me how some people may view me mm-hmm. uh, because of the color of my skin i was five mm-hmm. years old because the of talk. the counter uh, at the grocery store uh, my mother is um, really fair and mm-hmm. depending upon the unobservant she could be considered past that look at my mother and go oh where do you tan (laughs) and i'm i as a kid i'm going what Mm -hmm. where do you tan and so getting that and those sort of social um, expectations of men as men how we're supposed to show up in the world Mm -hmm. i think that's unfortunately Mm -hmm. a part of it i think it's gotten better Mm -hmm. i think it's getting better um but I think it's still going to take time. And it's, it's, and again, another reason why I'm doing the work that I'm doing is I, I just, I almost feel like black people um, aren't allowed to be fully human. Mm-hmm. We're expected to show up in a box set of emotions, black men, black men, anything outside of that realm of those emotional spaces, we're not supposed to show up as, or that seems, that's not possible. You can't be hurt. You're strong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> strong black woman strong mm-hmm. black man, you know yeah but we can cry we have moments of weakness and we have other feelings and our joy isn't limited to you know the barbecue or the picnic or the you mm-hmm. know just just really allowing us to show up as you know mm-hmm. fully human white people get to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time mm-hmm. so so why don't we else for that matter any other group because that's that's also my big thing it's like i just want black and brown people people of color to get to see the breadth of their experiences beyond um a colonizing gaze mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah very very true and so you and then we throw in also the aspects of what does it mean when dealing with the lgbt angle right the classic idea being is you're either uh highly effeminate right or you're the DL trade. Right. Which is silly. Mm-hmm. Which is again, again two extremes. Right. And again, those things, you know, the DL thing can be a journey for some people. And and the feminism, so what? That's those are people getting locked into the um, you know the the the, the gender constructs. What mm-hmm. a male, you know, girls like pink, boys like blue. That, that that's just silly. And there and, and, and here's the irony for me. So one of my best friends growing up. 
um, is incredibly effeminate, mm-hmm. but he's straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we, as when we grew up, people always go, you know, it's your friend. You know, I would always, in the back of my head, I'm going, no, he's not, but I am. <laughs> so it, it was just, it's just ridiculous um, how people, you know, how we can get mm-hmm. caught up in those, uh, those gender con- constructs and homes. And I just, I just want to throw it all by the wayside and just, and just say, look, we can color with all the colors in the, in the crayon box. We're not limited to a certain number of colors because you're a male or a female. You don't mm-hmm. have to put on airs. Like we just need to exhale and breathe because we, we deal with enough already. Mm-hmm. So I just want to create some normalcy around um, you know, how, we, how we present um, and, be, and, 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 and in how we present, how we show up reminding people that that's okay it's like it's okay <laughs> it's, it's okay there's, there's nothing wrong with it um, absolutely loving yeah so mm-hmm. yeah so, so i just i try to come from a place of empathy and love um and and hopefully entertainment too <laughs> in my storytelling um and you know as people get to know these characters and, and the stories with all these projects i'm working on um you know i hope it'll be apparent Excellent. I think that's a perfect place for us to take a break there. So this is Perry Clark, um, licensed marriage and family therapist on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with the creator, Sean Z. Maker. And tune in and see what we have in the second half. lives in the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Do you have knots? Not the physical tightness in your neck and back and not the ones on a rope, but metaphors for the helpful and unhelpful tugs in life that can help us ascend to a new level or stop us from falling too far back down. Join host Perry Clark for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered, a program about mental health and its practice from an indigenous person of color. We'll help you find the knots that help you and avoid the ones that don't. Listen for new episodes every other week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to the second half. I'm here with Sean Z. Maker. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is Undying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So, Sean, um, as we were doing some prep for the uh, for this, you had a major upset with technology. In this, yes, I did. In this year. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that, because, I mean, that also impacts the work you've done 
as well. Yes. And yes. what that has shown to you? Wow. So um, October 28th, <laughs> of course, I remember the date of 2021. My computer, it's an old uh, laptop, decided to, uh, I was having memory issues. There was a memory leak, which caused a hiccup. And, and I lost about oh, more than 80% of my work that mm -hmm. I've been working on. Uh, several of which I had planned on releasing on Halloween mm -hmm. um, to the public. I was, because I had done, you know, it's basically six to eight months of artwork uh, that mm -hmm. I had done in story for both um, uh, my Colors of Myth series as well as uh, my other uh, uh, all, all Ages uh, project, uh, Ramona Rising. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was devastated, <laughs> to say the least. And um, it took a while for me to recover from that experience. And I was truly questioning whether or not I should even be doing this. Cause I was, I was literally taking a risk. I'm living on my savings uh, to work on uh, this art because I thought, you know, the timing's right. This is it. I'm ready. You know, the, the rest will come once I start releasing the content and um, that wasn't to be so. Uh, thankfully I've recovered. <laughs> um, I have a few more things in place to keep something that happened on that day from happening again, mm -hmm. um, as well as, uh, eventually, uh, updating my equipment, uh, sometime in the, this, this quarter, the quarter mm -hmm. of this year. Um, and I'm redrawing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I'm, the stuff I'm creating now is better than what I had prior to. So it's, I've been having fun. And what I'm doing differently is instead of waiting mm -hmm. <laughs> to get, get things done, I'll probably, well, not probably, I will be releasing content um, as I'm getting it done just to expose people to what I'm doing mm -hmm. uh, and to see if I can uh, continue to grow the audiences uh, mm -hmm. for the work that I'm doing just to see what happens so you spoke about another project, which is more all ages. What's that uh, one like? So, so uh, Ramona Rising is the first of nine books. I it's literally I've written the beginning, middle, and end, uh, outlined mm -hmm. the whole the whole series, and it's loosely based off of a West African story, Ramona of the R Ramona of the Flashing Sword, and I loved the concept of that. But what mm -hmm. I did was I took the core of that and said, oh, I want to. I want to make this deep fantasy, give them their own world and, and let you learn about their world through Ramona's eyes, as well as her story and her journey um, mm -hmm. moving forward. And it's, and it's literally a love letter to black women um, because I feel like there aren't enough heroes that are black women mm -hmm. uh, in storytelling and, and really giving them um, a kaleidoscope of, of characterizations and how they show up, including Ramona herself and her growth and her evolution uh, through the story, as well as Black people. I, I wanted a narrative. Um, I don't know if you know who Bell Hooks is. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of hers. And I was so saddened when she passed. But one of the things that, there are two things that she said and that I, got from her, from reading her work and listening to her lectures is um, 
what does a black loving world look like? And so Ramona is sort of me exploring that mm. in that story, in that setting. And also um, we, we can never seem to es escape that colonizer narrative. So what if we did and how would that show up? And in what ways, mm. um, especially visually, Mm -hmm. and, and especially with hair and hairstyles. I, I've, I've done so much research <laughs> on, <laughs> on ancient African cultures, hairstyles, hairstyles of today that I don't see reflected in media. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, this is, and I just had fun with it. And it's just been such a wonderful sort of journey and exploration. I, that's the one story that I truly cannot wait for people to see because the stuff I've done with it like I like the little light I've even showed my mother or a few other people I know they like they have these spots. It's like I've never seen anything like this. Like yes, then th that's what I want. <laughs> so, so I'm really hoping it'll be um, received well because it's that's the intention. Is I just want us to see us um, in ways we haven't before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really hoping that that comes across to the remote rising scene. Well, that's where Lisa. Another interesting question that crosses my mind. Um, most of that work has been on the web as opposed to looking at print media. Right. So just for people's understanding, what's the advantage to doing web-based as opposed to a print media source? Uh, the, it's, it's immediate. It's free. It doesn't cost me anything. <laughs> um, however, uh, what I do want to offer is even though I am moving forward in the digital everything's going to be going. I will be providing my work digitally, um, ebook form as well. Mm -hmm. um, I do make room for print as well, uh, but I want to make that a sort of a crowdfunded effort. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to take on that responsibility myself. What I really want to do is give people who are interested in seeing that um, uh, be able to invest and partake in that mm -hmm. um, and, and let that be the catalyst for numbers and interest because again we're often told from publishers or you know keepers you know black people don't like this or people of color don't like you know they only like x y and z of these mm -hmm. boxes and i figured if i did it that way that um the numbers and the interest from the people who got involved um, mm -hmm. in purchasing would speak for itself so that mm -hmm. i don't have to argue anything and go well you know 20,000 people bought, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> Ramona mm -hmm. Rising book. So what does that tell you? So just right. little things like that. Um, right. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, uh, make room for. I want, right. I want the actions to speak for themselves. Well, definitely let me know when you're ready to do that. We'll definitely have a conversation okay. about that as well. And, uh, and I probably should also try and connect you with um, Demetrius Holt, aka okay. Hellspawn Cosplay, who has got a couple of... Uh, uh, I've done a couple of recordings with here as another one who can help you with and maybe who knows coordinate things with that. I can't make no promises, but I'll try and connect you guys. Hey, that, that, hey, that the, the the gesture is is more than so. I appreciate it. Perfect. So, stepping away from the work uh, standpoint and so forth, um, something you were, when we were talking also during the quick break, but I'm talking about your experience also growing up when you were talking about the experience of stepping out and your connection with Onyx. Right, who, yes. I'll be up front. I'm hoping to try and get on there as a recording from at least one of the branches, uh, one of the chapters as well here for recording. Um, but that experience is also something that 
we have plenty of coming out stories that yes. come out and usually often they are very much centered on white people yes and i mean i know moonlight <laughs> came out which is one of those rare ones, rare ones and, yeah. and i know there's some other ones out there but yeah. they all end up indie but you sort of said some interesting things about that experience and i was wondering and that also makes me wonder is like maybe there's a third project you can start out there around this <laughs> but um tell me a little more because there's something that was interesting said about that aspect of you coming out as a young man and your encounter with onyx yes so coming uh, coming out um or it, Coming out and getting comfortable with myself um, was mm -hmm. a journey, and 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 I, and I do want to say this too. Um, it was sort of in tandem with therapy. I was mm -hmm. actually I was I went through therapy for uh, almost three years, three and a half years. Um, so I was almost twenty two for several reasons, not just to get comfortable with my sexuality, but also to deal with my anger issues. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, my mother, in her infinite wisdom, before home for college, um, it was before my eighteenth birthday. Um, I was 17. I, I had already, I just graduated. My, my birthday falls on in August in the summer. And literally two weeks after my birthday, I went to college. But she had said to me, she said, son, you have a lot of anger issues around the father figures that were supposed mm -hmm. to be in your life. And right now, those are issues. Get older, that becomes baggage. And I don't want to see you allow that to impact you in a way that uh, doesn't help you. And it, you know, it shook me and I'm glad she said it because I hadn't considered it and I was angry, but it was for a combination of reasons. You know, it wasn't just mm -hmm. that, it was, you know, not being comfortable with my sexuality, it was just, just mm -hmm. all these things. Um, I happened to, when I moved to Chicago, um, I wound up connecting with people. And as I was exploring my sexuality and my interests, um, I, I, I had a fascination with the leather community but a lot of the, the visuals and images and signals I was getting early on was it was all for white people. Mm -hmm. And I, when, when I saw someone that looked like me in those spaces, it felt tokenized and it also felt fetishized. And I didn't mm -hmm. want to be either of those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that language back then. I just knew that it made me uncomfortable. And I had the pleasure of uh, connecting with other, you know, men of color, same gender loving men of color, who also had that interest and exposed me to that organization or that group, that brotherhood, um, in a way that I had never seen or experienced and even thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, um, and it wasn't in a lascivious manner. It was very much, they were all my big brothers and they were very protective and nurturing and allowing me the room to explore mm -hmm. and breathe and find out where I fit, if I fit, you know, mm -hmm. any of that. But I have the freedom to explore safely. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has stayed with me all my life. And I'll always be thankful and grateful because they showed up in something that I was given signals that I'm not supposed to like or want to be a part of or do, um, but because they showed up in their presence and, and their, that brotherhood and and that camaraderie um, showed me that it was okay for me to like what I like um, and explore it, you know, to mm -hmm. see if I really liked it <laughs> and mm -hmm. how much of it did I like and, and all of that. And so I'm, I'm, you know, uh, that will definitely show up in my work <laughs> in some, especially with the colors of that stuff. So yeah, that, that, those are things that I'm, you know, eternally grateful for.
So very nice, very nice. Yeah. So I think that also adds to a lovely little segue to one of my standard questions I ask most of everybody who comes on here, myths and realities around mental health and either sequencing, sequencing, sequence, seeking it, receiving yeah. it, I can speak to the practicing side right. of it, um, even just the image factor of it. Right. So the fact that even at that age, between 18 to 22, the idea that counseling was a positive thing for you oh yeah that's always a lovely thing to hear but from your standpoint and just viewing the world and life what would you say is another one of those myths that we have around mental health that oh that's seeking can... that's seeking outside help like seeking therapy there's there's some there's a problem with you doing that like mm -hmm. you're supposed to figure out those things yourself or turn to god and god will help answer all of those questions and 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 those things are okay but this is just another this is another access. This is another pathway. And there's nothing wrong with you doing something mm -hmm. um, that helps you help yourself. Because mm -hmm. um, I still see resistance to that in, in colors of community, uh, Black, Latino, you know, I, I, I've seen and I've also experienced it with friends. I've People that I've known that I've tried to encourage um, in that direction. Oh, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll work through it. Mm -hmm. How's that working out for you? <laughs> so, and I just, you know, I don't push the, the point. It's, you know, they're, they're individual journeys, but I, I'm so thankful that, um, again, I had a family that, a mother that mm -hmm. uh, encouraged it, um, created uh, a pathway to access for it. And it gave me freedom to, um, you know, be where I am now because mm -hmm. I live a life that's fully self-expressed. Like I, I, there's, I'm not uncomfortable <laughs> with, oh, yeah. with anything. Oh yeah. I remember that picture you first pasted on a uh, Facebook <laughs> about a, well, I think it was a year ago, that sequence number. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm comfortable. Like I, I have no problem um, showing up how I choose to show up and, mm -hmm. Because I realized the people that have a problem with those things, those are their problem, mm -hmm. not mine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, you know. So let me ask this other question in regards to that: Was the therapist that you had worked with were they also a person of color, or they were they not? Uh, she no, she was, she was, hmm. um, which was also a, a positive. Uh, she was uh, uh, Afro Latina mm -hmm. and uh, a Puerto Rican lady uh, in Chicago forever forever grateful to her mm -hmm. um because again she allowed me the space she her 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 therapy style you know everybody's got a different mm -hmm. therapy style um, mm -hmm. she she allowed me to move into spaces mm -hmm. she didn't like push or nudge she just made it clear that it was okay for me to express what i needed to express how i needed to express it mm -hmm. so i mm -hmm. i really really appreciate that especially not knowing better. <laughs> you know, because I, yeah, I can also speak from the side of being a provided is that, yeah, I, I often hear, yes, from many clients that, that are a color that's great for to be able to work with a therapist color. But, you know, even doesn't matter what color the aspect is, if you do not match with the therapist, right. Right. that doesn't help matters either. Right. I was and, lucky. Yeah. I feel lucky. Yeah, and and I'll be frank, there are some other people of color that I have tried to work with, and we haven't meshed well. Right, it wasn't that that there we weren't 
we wasn't that it wasn't a bad that was black person of color it was we were not the right type of people to fit together and it's okay for that to also happen yes because there's and i know from my side is i see a lot of this standpoint of like we're even if there's that monolith again that every therapist is supposed is able is the same and is capable of working with every single issue you bring us like no there's some of us yeah that there are just some issues that like we'll never touch yeah yeah and that's not bad it just means we're not the right ones to work with this right on that i mean i like to put it this way you're not going to have your car fixed by the chef at your restaurant right yeah and there are some therapists that are better at being chefs than they are being at mechanics i agree and that and ultimately we're putting in what's putting into you mm-hmm. and helping you solve what is already in you too. Right. So whether it's done through food, whether it's done through mechanics, whether it's done through art, whether it's done through writing, whether it's just sitting here and telling each other stories, each therapist is going to work a different way to get that. Not every therapist is the right one to work with. That's not a bad thing. Exactly. Find, find the one that fits you mm-hmm. and, and it's okay to, um, walk away. So I'll, I'll tell you a brief story. So mm-hmm. I just a year ago, I decided to um, revisit therapy just uh, just mm-hmm. as a check in. Just mm-hmm. as a check in, I like to I like to do that. I'm an overthinker. <laughs> so so um, the first person that I was matched with, we weren't a good fit, mm-hmm. um, and neither was the second. But the third time, third third time was a charm. Worked out perfectly, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay this is the person that I gel with. And I knew right away, like within, within 20, 20 to 30 minutes of the session, I would know, and I would be polite, but I would let them know, mm-hmm. like, I don't really think that, you know, our connection is what I need right now, but mm-hmm. I do appreciate your time. So mm-hmm. um, I moved on until I found someone that actually worked uh, better with me. Very good. Yeah, good. Yeah, because then that's, there's no shame in that. I think one of the things that comes up is, the difficulty around vulnerability. Yes. And this aspect is, yes, you're going to be, th- to a certain extent, you're going to be vulnerable with your therapist. doesn't mean you have to be a vulnerable right in that first session. That's what you're <laughs> feeling out to see if like, okay, can I be vulnerable? If not, okay. And I know that takes a lot of energy and especially for yeah. many men, that takes yeah. a lot of energy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But that does not mean the process isn't going to work. Right. right. It just doesn't work which with that person. Right. Yeah, being being patient, uh, being observant and mindful of and honest about what your needs actually are. I think that's the other thing too. Is um, I think there's a there's a there's a myth mm. that the therapist is going to fix you, <laughs> and it's like no, it's not, that's not it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the fix is in what you're willing to show up as and and mm-hmm. and, and be honest about you know, whatever it is you're having trouble with or, or feel like you need to have an experience. Yeah, I don't like to use the word fix. I put it, right. usually prefer the word, I'm here to help you manage it. Yeah. Understand what it is so you can manage it. Yes, yeah, I like that too. Hmm. So I think uh, this has been a lovely conversation. Yeah, I thank, thank you, you very much for doing for being willing to come on here, share this stuff with us. I've been a long time admirer of your work. Thank so you. where can people find you if they want to uh, see more of the work that you do? Um, there's several uh, places. I, I would um, point to Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Z Maker Studios is the company site. Sean Z Maker mm-hmm. is my 
um, I do my photos and mm -hmm. and some of my art there. Uh, the the website uh, zmakerstudios.online is mm -hmm. uh, coming. If page now it says it's under it's being updated. I'm currently updating it, so it'll be up this week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll start so by the time by yeah. the time this airs, it should be yeah, out. It'll be out. Be out. <laughs> yeah, I can be able to see what I've been working on and, and what i'm moving into by then so yeah Alrighty. so uh, we'll, we'll have that information in the show notes as well okay. uh so there's that but uh thank you again thank you so much i appreciate it not a problem so this has been sean z maker i'm perry clark licensed marriage and family therapist this is untying knots minds and souls untethered on the voice america network so tune in for our next one which hopefully i'll be able to get um We'll be able to get a little kinky with that one. Till later, folks. Have a good pride. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 